The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narcanon Suncoast. Hello, Jason. Hello, Joni. Here we are. Episode number 61. Pretty cool. Yes. It's been a good week. Yeah. Oh, good. How was your week? It was good. It was good. Our week was... We got... Well, we got a lot of... from In the podcast world, as um, Steve was telling you, um, we got a lot of downloads on Nick Heather's interview, mm-hmm. which um, is very cool. That I kept, is cool. I kept pointing out that he, he's an expert and I'm not, <laughs> but I don't believe it's a brain disease. So um, it was good because a lot of people um, shared it. And you know, I think, you know... <sighs> I think, personally, for a lot of people out there who are addicts, Mm -hmm. I think that when, you know it because you see it, that Mm -hmm. when you indicate it's not a brain disease, Mm -hmm. then it it becomes something that you can confront and handle. Right. Do you know? Absolutely. And so I think it resonates with people. And that's one of the biggest arguments that go back and forth in today's day and age when it comes to addiction is, is it a disease or is it a choice? And you've got, it's almost like I look at all the different two sided arguments that exist in, <laughs> that exist in, um, in addiction. You've got the people that are for medicine assisted treatment, like Matt, as far as suboxone methadone, you got people right. who are against it. You got people that are pro marijuana. You got people who are against marijuana. You have the people that think it's a, a gateway drug. You have people that don't think it's a gateway drug. You have people that think it's a, addiction's a disease. You have people that think addiction is not a disease. Right. You've got you've got all these two sided arguments that are going on here. But what we have to realize is that at the end of the day, what matters is that people get clean, that people get sober, they get drug free, and they live a happy more successful life than they were living before because obviously the life that they were living before is awful. And I know you've never gone through addiction, but I can tell you that it's one of the darkest places you can ever go. And when a family is going through that, the blame game, I call it, Mm -hmm. is one of the first things that happens. Mm -hmm. You've got the parents that blame themselves for the fact that their kid's an addict. You've got the par- the, the addict blaming the parents <laughs> because they're an addict because it's easier than taking responsibility for themselves. Right. Um, and you've got this whole argument that comes out about who's responsible for the fact that little Johnny is now a heroin addict. Um, and the blame game is one of the worst things any family can get into because it doesn't solve anything. Well, and I think it ties people up into conflict rather than, and conflict oftentimes results in no action. Right. Nothing being done. Right. And so you as father and I as mother, we can argue and make each other responsible and wrong and attack each other about why little Johnny is addicted. But in the meantime... Little Johnny is addicted, and we're not doing anything about it. Right. It's like at the end of the day, you still got an addict in the family, and mom and dad blaming themselves or blaming the addict or the addict blaming themselves or the addict blaming the parents or the addict blaming dad because he was mean to him at at Disney World when when he was seven or mom thinking it's her fault because when little Johnny got hurt, at football practice and took him to the doctor and he uh, sprained his ankle. And so he, he got Vicodin. That's where his addiction started. That doesn't get anything accomplished. No, it doesn't get anything done. You know, one of the things that families deal the most with is the guilt that they feel of all the, I just said this a minute ago, yeah. but the should have done. Right. I should have done this. I should have done that. Maybe had I done those things, we wouldn't be in the current scenario we're in right now. And so last week I was thinking about this. Um, 
Because whenever I think of a, an idea or a concept as it relates to addiction and the family unit, I always constantly go back to what this scene was with me and my family. Right. You had my parents blaming themselves for the fact, well, you had my mom blaming herself for the fact that I was an act, and my dad blaming me that I was an act, and I was blaming my dad because I was an act, and also blaming my mother, but then my mother was my biggest enabler, and so it got nothing done because you had my mom that didn't want to look at the fact that I was an addict, my dad saying, Pam, he's obviously a complete drug addict, and me thinking I'm smarter than everybody else and nobody knows what's going on. I'm totally fine. <laughs> and I, I mean, I look... Your dad great. knew. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, I look great. You know, these circles under my eyes are like the new chic. Um, and I was real sucked you up. You didn't really think And that. like, who needs food? That's like so yesterday. And um, I thought I had everyone fooled. And so the way I made everyone else wrong was to make them think that they were wrong, that I was an addict because I would say, well, you're crazy. Nothing's going on. Um, I mean, I, and I would concoct the world's greatest story, according to myself, mm -hmm. like, how could they ever think something's wrong? And so at the end of the day, you know, addiction causes a fair amount, amount of discord right. within a family unit. But right. in thinking about that, I was thinking about how many other families out there try to take a hundred percent responsibility for the fact that their kid's an addict. And so I had this idea, it was, it's like. Okay, so your kid's an addict. I mean, does that mean you failed as a parent? Does that mean that everything that you did leading up to this was just creating it and building it and and setting the stage for your child to be an addict? So if there's anyone out there that's listening that has a, a child that's an addict, do you think it's your fault? Do right. you think that's a reflection on you as a parent? And the unfortunate thing is, is that a lot of families do believe that the outcome of your kid became an addict means that you as the parent have failed to some yeah. degree. And I don't think that's true. I think it's just as bogus as the brain disease model. However, being a parent, I'm not an addict, but being a parent, mm -hmm. I can definitely understand why a parent would feel that way. Totally. But I think that, you know, once again... Whether, I mean, okay, now maybe if you handed your son the first joint. Sure. Okay, good. You're, I'm going to say you're responsible. You're, it's your fault. You as a parent need to like lose your parent license and not be a parent again. I'm taking your or parent card away. <laughs> if you, you know, gave your child the first batch of cocaine or the first heroin to shoot up. Okay, that's one thing. But taking that aside, setting that aside and thinking just with the average parent, you know, you can't be with your child or your teen or your young adult, you cannot be with them 24 seven. No. Nope. Yes. You educate them as much as you can. And we've talked on the podcast about resources that we have access to mm -hmm. and that we can, you know, direct you to there's um, drug free world. If mm -hmm. you want booklets to talk to your kids about drugs, they're great booklets. They don't hold anything back and they're purely factual. They're mm -hmm. not, saying it's morally wrong, it's ethically wrong. It's like, here's what marijuana does, here's what alcohol does, here's what methamphetamine does to your body, this is what the chemical is, and, and this is this is why you might... It doesn't even say, yeah, this is why you don't right. want to take it. It doesn't even say, don't take right. it. it. The says, booklets don't even say that. They just say, here's what it is. You make your own decision. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as a parent, but as a parent, if I sat my kid down every single day with the Truth About Drugs booklets, and I educated them every single day, 
there's still the possibility that they get in the wrong crowd or they start listening to the wrong person and they make a bad choice. My parents taught me over and over again not to do drugs, that drugs are not the solution, Uh, drugs are not the answer to anything, and that drugs are morally wrong, they're ethically wrong, and you shouldn't do them. And we actually, my mom's stepbrother was an addict. Right. And so I grew up with, yeah. yeah, and I grew up with this, perfect role model of what not to become right and um it, the the weird thing is that i became him <laughs> yeah I, 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 but i still i still made that choice i still made that decision because here's what families and have. would i say your parents are responsible for you being an addict absolutely no, not it's not their fault because i made a conscious decision to try a drug knowing full well what can happen? Now, here's the thing. How many? There's not many decisions you make in life that a one-second decision will alter the entire outcome of your life. And not only alter the outcome of your life, but change who you are as a person. There's not many one-second snap decisions that have that much impact. But my first decision to try cocaine, I didn't stop and say, hmm, with my, with my finger on my chin. Hmm. <laughs> Let me... Let's think about my, my my mom's stepbrother. Let's think about all the things the Dare program taught me. Let's not let's think about the fact that I know how addictive this substance is, and the fact that I could become addictive. Literally, none of that went through my head. Right. Someone said, "Do you want a line of cocaine?" I said, "Sure." Sure. Done. That one second decision altered my entire life. It altered my parents' entire lives, and altered my sisters, everybody. It affected everyone full well who was connected with me, and. That has no bearing on how my parents raised me. Right. I made a conscious decision to say yes. There's not many people that make a very quick pro cocaine decision in right. life. Um, not too many people. I think I'm more of a rare breed. I think most people confronted with cocaine would probably be like, you know what? I think I'm 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 good. I don't think I, that's I don't, true. You don't think so? No, I don't. I don't think so. Think I. About, I don't think so. I, I, th- I mean, I don't know. I, I, I thought about that at one point, and, and you know, I made such a quick, uninformed, not almost like uninformed, rash decision to try a drug, and it was completely illogical, and it was completely the wrong thing to do. But I did it anyways, not knowing that I was going to find my cure all to every problem I thought I ever had in life. Well, let we can ask the next uh, graduate that we have on here whether they thought about it logically before they took the drug but i can't say I, obviously they didn't did. because they no. because they did it you know so that's why when you say you think you're in the minority i don't think so Maybe we not. have a we have an addiction problem yeah. in this country jason <laughs> yeah, it's true i i was i don't know i, I was kind of reminiscing about this like all i got stuck on this last mm-hmm. week i kind of got okay. stuck in this idea of was that decision a reflection of my parents and it absolutely wasn't no it wasn't it wasn't their Way it wasn't the way they brought me up. It was actually it was the opposite of everything that they taught me to do. Right. It was the opposite. They always taught me to make smart decisions, to be informed, to be logical, to be rational, and to do all these things that I just didn't do. And I don't think I was a rebellious kid. I think in that moment I made a choice. Right. And that's what families have to understand. Yep. Is that if your if your child or your husband or wife or whomever is an addict realize and this goes a, a well with our disbelief of the disease theory if if anyone you're connected to is an addict 
they chose to use drugs the first time. Right. Whether they chose to take the pills that the doctor gave them, whether they chose to take that first line of cocaine, whether they chose to smoke that first joint or drink that first beer, the thing you have to understand is, regardless of all the things you taught them, regardless of anything else, they are individuals. They're their own person. Right. A parent can do everything correct, whatever that is. I don't think there's a book on how to raise kids. Nope. Everything correct, and your child might still make that fatal decision to try something and get hooked, but it has no reflection on you as a parent because there are separate individuals that made a decision on their own volition. They chose to do it. My parents gave me literally the best life a kid could ever <laughs> had I got. Right. I mean, I never went without. I had everything I wanted, everything I needed. And they they taught me right from wrong. They they let me, you know, live, you know, <laughs> endure life's failures and go through life. And it, it made me a good person. Mm -hmm. But I was a good person that I still had my own personal issues that had nothing to do with them. Right. I still had a void in myself that had nothing to do with the way they raised me. I still lacked something, so I thought. And what filled it, was a drug right but again it's not a reflection on them and i think a lot of acts are the same way and the thing is is that if addiction's a disease it's still which it's not right but say oh, let's just like devil's advocate addiction's a disease it starts with <laughs> yeah, a choice it still that. starts with a choice it still yeah. starts with a choice to try drugs because you're not born a drug addict. you're not born so that's that's the weirdness and and when i hear people say you know oh well because my you know, one of my relatives was addicted. Oh, therefore, it's no wonder that my son or my brother or whatever became mm -hmm. an addict because it's like in our genes or our genetic. No, 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 no. no, that, no. That's, that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't work. The, I don't, I can't, I can't buy into that. I can't either. I can't either because, you know, uh, it's, it's just, I think it's sad how many families will put themselves through that turmoil of blaming themselves. Because here's, here's the thing. I wrote that, and I wrote this blog, and anyone who goes on the narcononsuncoast.org website can read it. It's the one that says, you know, did you fail as a parent? Was your kids an addict? And in that article, I say absolutely not. Right. It all starts with a choice. Right. My mom is not responsible for the reason that um, I do anything in life. My dad's not responsible for the reason I do anything in life. My family has nothing to do necessarily with the choices that I personally make on my own volition and my own self-determined self whatever I do. It's never a reflection on them because I'm my own person. Right. I'm a separate individual and I make my own choices. What they did was try to instill me with morals, with a moral code, with ethics, with knowing right from wrong, and then the rest was up to me. But it's all a personal choice. And ethics and morals is all a personal choice. And here's the thing. Guilt, if you look at it, is all about the past. Yes. And so when a parent or an addict or whatever, when there's guilt involved, it's all about the past. Mm -hmm. And the point is, when someone is an addict, action needs to be taken in the present. Right. And so the more that parents or loved ones or kids or whatever get stuck in guilt, they're stuck in the past. And like I said before, they're not taking action. And let's make a distinction here between guilt and responsibility. So 
if I feel guilty mm-hmm. about what my son did in the past, that doesn't do any good. So what's my responsibility to get help, to right. get them help? Mm-hmm. And so let's separate that out because as a parent, are you responsible? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Are you responsible for the, your kid becoming an addict? No. But are you responsible for getting them help? Absolutely. For getting them into treatment? Now, is your child going to going to do that? No. You might you might run into a problem where you need someone to do an intervention. Mm-hmm. Okay. But are you responsible for going as far as you need to go with getting an interventionist 100%. and finding a place? 100%. So let's just separate out the guilt from the responsibility. Right, because they're know? two different things. Exactly. And, and there's a lot of times where families spend so much time feeling guilty about what they did wrong, a lot of times going by that they're not doing something to That's get the my person point. into Nothing's treatment. happening. There's no action. Because they get stuck in this problem of, oh my God, my kid's an addict. I got to hide it from grandma, hide it from the aunts and uncles. I have to, oh my God, is this my fault? I did something wrong. What do I do? They look at their husband or wife and say, it's your fault. And then that starts the whole thing. And it's like, look, oh, everyone needs to stop. (laughs) Right. Well, then let me give you an analogy. If if you're in a car accident, um, let's say you're driving a car and you observe, let's say you're not the accident. Okay. So you're driving a car and you observe someone hit somebody Mm -hmm. with their car. Mm -hmm. Person's lying on the ground. Person's not breathing person's unconscious. Mm -hmm. So if you know CPR, what are you going to do? You're going to jump in and bring the guy back to life. You're not going to go, you should have stopped. He was walking in front of you. It wasn't your fault. I saw it happen. If you get get into that, meantime, the person laying on the ground is dying. Okay. So you're going to jump in you're going to do the CPR. You're going to, you know, you're going to bring the person back to life. When all of that is done, then if you want to get into like who did what to whom and whose fault it was, mm-hmm. well, you can let the cops sort that out. But so if you've got a friend or a family member that's an addict, you need to get them help right now. Right now. Not tomorrow, not after July 4th, because you have a big picnic coming up. You need to do it right now. And then when they've gotten help and they're clean and sober, if you then want to do a little soul searching, okay, fair enough, have that conversation. But here's a good, another good example is if you look at the Narconon program, mm-hmm. which we are so familiar with, mm-hmm. when the guy comes in, you don't immediately sit down and say, okay, what's wrong with you that you started doing these drugs? What was it you were trying to handle with these drugs? No, you get him into withdrawal. You still don't do it. You get him into the detox. You still don't do that. You get the guy to where he can get his attention off the past and into the present with the objective drills. Mm -hmm. Then we get into it. You get into it. You know, and what were the bad things you did that you need to take responsibility for? And who are the good people in your life that you maybe need to mend a relationship mm-hmm. with? And the bad people that you want to never, ever see again. Right. But if you tried to do that out of sequence and do that first, you you would lose just about oh, yeah. every single addict that walks in your door. Mm. And I think that that is possibly one of the failings in some rehab programs where they delve into that without getting the guy first of all completely clean and sober which isn't just going to happen with withdraw typically right. in a typical program so mm-hmm. it's like okay no my experience in a typical rehab was okay all right jason so you're here 
I'm um, got a detox. Let me be the first one to tell you you're an addict and there's nothing you can do about it. Right. You're never going <laughs> to get better. Which is like, oh, God. Okay, well, I mean, we're giving my crack pipe back. Yeah, not I'm going only back that, at it. Not only that, but you've done this before, so you're a throwaway. You're a throwaway. Addict, so there's client. not even any point in you being here. No, it's just it's it's an it, insane thing, and I think that it's not talked about enough because a lot of addiction, a lot of what families go through, is behind closed doors. Exactly. These are things that are kept from view. These are things that are happening in a very kind of intimate setting, and it's not talked about it enough. Now, when I went through addiction, my parents didn't talk about it with anybody right like is at the beginning back then this was a long time ago it was a shameful thing to have an addict in your family you wanted to keep that as a fa- it was like a family secret that you had an addict it was it, you, it wasn't made into like br- to make it broadly known but what if you had died jason what if you had overdosed and died everybody would know everyone would know you know, everyone will know. Now, maybe, maybe there would have been some sort of a PR story as to why you died. Mm-hmm. You know, but all of a sudden, Jason's young Jason dead. in his twenties dies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it would have come out at some point. And that's a, that's another point I want to make. It's like you can, you can, you can do this shame, blame, and regret thing, but. You know, you every day that you don't get help for your loved one is a day that they could overdose. It's a day, I, and that's a, and I think. That's a valid point for anyone listening is because amidst all the arguing, the fighting, the feeling, the guilt and the shame and what you should have done, what you didn't do, what you could have done, all of that, that's wasting a lot of time because with the drugs that are out right now, with the prevalence of fentanyl and the entire drug supply. Now, I want everyone to know that fentanyl is not a drug that's relegated to only being mixed into opiates because they're finding fentanyl in almost every drug out there a lot of people have actually died from opioid overdoses because of fentanyl when they thought they were using cocaine right there's actually fentanyl and mixed with the cocaine they're finding and everyone wants to fight me on this but there's they found fentanyl laced on marijuana whether or not that works if you smoke it or whatever it's still a thing they found it they've tested marijuana they found it fentanyl on it um they found it in methamphetamine they found it in virtually every drug out there and so every moment that's wasted arguing fighting feeling badly um experiencing guilt and shame all that stuff are moments that your loved one could die right there's there's moments that they could get the bag of drugs that ends in their ultimate demise and you think you have regret now oh god i don't wish just imagine the regret if your loved one overdoses i mean just imagine that kind of regret then the shame blame is going to be out of control and and the thing is is because that's that gives finality to a situation with a lot of families and then they can spend time thinking about what they should have done what they could have done what they would have done so that those are i mean those are all moments spent worrying where you could actually take some action and I want every family out there that's listening to know that you can do something about it. Right. And the reality at the end of the day is it doesn't matter whose fault it is. It really it really doesn't. It's Honestly, it's yeah. nobody's fault. If it's anyone's fault, it's, you know, the addict chose to make, you know, try drugs. I take full responsibility for the fact that I became an addict because I made a conscious decision to do what I did that ultimately, you know, 
altered my entire life and the life of everyone around me. Right. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. See, everyone's asking the wrong questions. That's right. Stop asking whose fault is it and start asking what can we do about it. Exactly. That's what That's y'all exactly have. what they have to do. Yeah, because it doesn't matter. Who doesn't does it matter if it you think it's your fault that that your son or daughter is shooting heroin? It doesn't matter if it is, even if it is your fault, it doesn't matter. You have to do something about it. Exactly. Because the fact of the matter is they're an addict. Right. It doesn't matter if you think it's your husband or your wife's fault. It doesn't matter if you think it's their fault. It doesn't matter if you think it's the doctor's fault or Big Pharma's fault or the kid down the street's fault or whoever. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. The, right. You, what matters is right now you've got a problem. You've got a situation on your hands. You've got someone that's addicted. And the only thing that matters is what you do next. And I want you to think very carefully about the actions you decide to take next. And be glad that you found it out in time to do something about it. Because a lot of parents don't know their kid was an addict until don't they know get until a phone after. call that they've died in their car in a parking lot at a grocery store. They were found two hours ago. Can you come identify the body? Worst story ever in the in the film Prescription Suicide. And worst story ever of the young kid in high school, you know, who, you know, committed suicide and the parents had no clue why. Found out after the fact from one of his friends that they had been raiding medicine cabinets Mm -hmm. and taking prescription drugs. You know, that, you know, they had no, there's nothing they could do at that point about their son. Nothing. Um, Yeah, they could educate others, which is, you know, which which is a good thing. But if you have a loved one that is addicted to drugs or alcohol, be glad that you know it yeah. and get help and do something about it now. Go Don't into, wait. Do it now. Go into action because the next steps that you take are vitally important. That's right. And you've got some decisions to make. You've got decisions to make what type of treatment, what treatment center, when and where. And I can tell you it should be non-12-step. It should be Narconon. It should be in Clearwater, Florida. And it should be right now. <laughs> because honestly, I at least I, I can... The only programs I can ever speak for are the ones I'm involved in. I've been with, involved with Narconon for a very long time. I can speak to the fact that it works. I wish I found it as my first treatment center because then I wouldn't have had to fail six times to then go back around and find Narconon. If you've got a loved one that's addicted, call us. Yep. Call, um, call today. Call, email. And that number is 877 877- Three three nine three three two four. Call the number. Um, someone asked Steve on Facebook. You know, is Narconon legit? It's the most legit thing there is. It's the most legit rehab program there is. Why do I say that? Every time I tell somebody about Narconon, and I tell them anybody that's in the know, and I tell them it's got a seventy nine percent success rate or seventy percent success rate. Mm-hmm. The the response once for one is like, oh my goodness, wow. Because there is no other rehab program out there that has that success rate. Mm -hmm. There isn't. And so do something about it today. Call Narconon today. Go to narcononsuncoast.org. A friendly person will chat with you. It's completely anonymous. But get the information. But do something. Don't sit there and blame each other or blame the addict. Do something today. Call the number today. And in the meantime, Jason and I are going to continue to talk to yep. you. Um, we might have a graduate next week. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, I've got somebody else in line to come and talk to us. Be exciting. But um, listen to the podcast, tell your friends, and we'll talk again next week. You got it. 
You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard. 